Welcome everybody to Actions Detrimental. I'm Bob Dare. This is episode four and we're here today to talk about the Charlotte Roval. The last time the Cup Series was at an elimination race was Bristol and the storylines from that race were Kevin Harvick and Chase Elliott with Kyle Larson winning. And here we are again, the Roval, the storylines. Kevin Harvick, Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson gets the win at the Roval, his seventh win of the season. Yet everyone's talking about Chase and Harvick again. Gotta imagine at this point, Larson's getting pretty sick of uh, celebrating the win and having to look over his shoulder to see if Harvick's got Chase in a headlock on the Jumbotron. But unlike Bristol, this time around, no words were exchanged face-to-face, at least, between Harvick and Chase. But plenty were exchanged on the TV and on the radio networks. So I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. Let's slow down. Let's back up a little bit. Uh, the Roval started with Chase versus Almendinger in Stage 1, going at it on the final lap. Chase ended up on top, getting the Stage win. And then Stage 2 went to Kyle Busch, who desperately needed all the Stage points he can get today. And he accumulated quite a bit. And he got just what he needed today, winning Stage 2 and getting a 4th place finish. He moved on with, by far, his most successful Roval start. During this time in the race, though, it looked like Larson wouldn't even get a top 20 finish the way his uh, electrical and battery situation was looking. Him and Alex Bowman, Hendrick teammates, had electrical issues, battery problems. They said that neither of them were related to each other. They weren't the same thing, but they both had problems at the same time at a bad time. And Larson was in danger of being knocked out like I discussed last week, so NASCAR had to have been sweating bullets. The winningest driver of the season, and by far the championship favorite, was below the cut line halfway through this elimination race, and it was getting pretty stressful. Uh, Cliff Daniels led the five team, though, to an amazing job, fixing the alternator belt and getting everything back going. Even Steve Letarte and the guys in the booth were saying, this is not an easy job, but they were able to do it and stay on the lead lap, and it's safe to say they rebounded pretty well in victory lane. So that just goes to show why Kyle Larson and that team is the favorite and why they're going to be really tough to beat for this championship. I got to give a shout out to two of the Gibbs cars though, Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch, neither of which have any prior success at the Roval in the last three years, but both of them ended up with a top five finish and it was Denny Hamlin that Larson had to pass for the win. So huge improvement for two of the Gibbs cars. On the other hand though, Martin Truex Jr., I don't know what was wrong with his car today, but they were out to lunch which is very weird for Truex and that team at a road course. They were a non-factor all race. They were way back in the teens and 20s all day, which led to him getting spun with a few laps left by Joey Hand, a guy in his first ever cup start, who shouldn't be in his first ever cup start in a playoff race, but got into Truex, spun him out, and put Truex on the bubble right above the cutoff line. And at that point, if William Byron got the win, Truex would have been eliminated. So that would have been a hell of a story right there. And yeah, you can place blame on Joey Hand and say, oh, a Rick Ware car almost took out Truex. But why in the world was Truex back racing the Rick Ware cars is what I want to know. That's that's the big story right there in, in and of itself. So Truex, you could tell he was thankful to just get out of that race in advance. But that was that was ugly for the 19 team. Speaking of William Byron, though, I got to hand it to the 24 team. Before the playoffs started, I had him in the final four, and a lot of people thought I was nuts. But I had a lot of faith in how strong they've been all season. They just haven't had the luck or the results to really show for it. And that 
certainly didn't stop once the playoffs started because they had so much bad luck these playoff races but they were so strong so many times so to see the 24 card get knocked out this week that's got to sting because there was a lot of races in the last few weeks that they could have at least got a top five if things would have just not went haywire like they did so William Byron Rudy Fugel that team the overall points position at the end of the year might not really show it, but they put together a much better season than Byron's ever had. And I would definitely put them as a favorite for next season. Don't sleep on that 24 team. But let's just dive into why you're all here. Harvick versus Chase, round two. It's hard to say I didn't see it coming because I really, I don't know, I didn't go into this race thinking, oh, keep an eye on Harvick and Chase today. But Harvick, you could just tell from the start. He was taking no prisoners today. I don't know what it was. And Kyle Busch mentioned after the race that the four car was running into a lot of people. I just feel like his give a sh meter was empty today. And you, you could even see at the beginning of the race, Chase passed Harvick cleanly. And Harvick just ran into his back bumper. And even Dale Jr. and them were like, oh my God, Harvick, Harvick woke up on the wrong side of the bed today. So that was nothing compared to what happened later. 100% intentional, can't deny it. Harvick didn't deny it, but you couldn't deny it even if he tried to. Harvick just sent Chase into the wall there, and you could tell Chase wanted to get him back. He tried to turn left and take him out, but he took Custer out instead, which I guess was a win since it was a Stuart Haas car. But that at that moment, my heart was pounding because I was like, honestly, that first half of the race, I was like, I really don't know what I'm going to talk about on this week's podcast. But once that happened, I got my notebook and my pen ready. And I was like, here we go. We got plenty of material for this week's show. And I, I try to stay biased on this show, but I, I, like, I'm not a huge Chase fan. I've never been a huge Harvick fan. So I'm just going to throw those both out there right now. But I cannot see any reason why I would defend Harvick in this situation and why I would not back Chase in this situation. I just, I know Chase doesn't have the cleanest driving history. Uh, it seems to be pushed under the rug a lot, but Chase has wrecked a lot of people. He's caused a lot of wrecks. He's caused a lot of incidents. But between him and Harvick, all he's ever done to Harvick that's, you know, public, that's been talked about or shown on TV is that after Harvick cut his tire at Bristol, bailing for the lead, he came back out and decided to just ride in front of him, which ended up costing Harvick the win. As I've seen on Twitter and some other things, yeah, Harvick could have went up and spun Chase at Bristol. He could have rooted him out of the way at Bristol, but he didn't. And him being behind Chase, yeah, Larson got by him and it cost him the race. So Chase has really never touched Harvick. He swiped at him after he got out of the pits at Bristol, but he never wrecked him. He never hit him. He never put him in the fence. So I just don't see why Harvick's got this huge vendetta that I got to wreck the nine car as many times as possible when he's never been affected really by Chase other than just him riding in front of him. So for Harvick to just go out there and deliberately wreck Chase and just dump him and try to get him out of the playoffs, that's not an eye for an eye. Chase didn't dump Harvick at Bristol. He didn't knock Harvick out of the playoffs at Bristol. All he did was just ride in front of him and it cost Harvick the win, but that didn't knock him out. That didn't cause him to not advance. So it's not the same thing. Harvick's move yesterday was a lot more malicious than Chase's was at Bristol. And after all that, it still didn't work. <laughs> Chase made a comeback. He got right back up to Harvick and say what you will, but Kevin Harvick does not just totally botch turn one he didn't botch turn one any other lap. He only botched turn one, the lap that Chase was on his bumper in his mirror. That's not a coincidence. And you can even see before he hit the wall, he was looking up in the mirror 
for quite a bit as he crossed the start finish line. So say what you want, but it was definitely Chase on his bumper that caused Harvick to go straight into the turn one wall. He knew it. Everyone knew it. The spotters knew it. The crews knew it. Chase was out there for blood. And once Harvick saw that Napa sign in his mirror, it was over. And he got too caught up in that and just drove straight into the fence. I found Harvick's interview pretty comical because he goes, well, sometimes life teaches you lessons. And it's like, well, yeah, but sometimes there's karma too. And that's just what happened to you, buddy. So I'm sorry if I sound like one of the 5 million Chase Elliott Nation fans out there that doesn't think he does anything wrong. Because like I said, I'm not a huge Chase Elliott fan. But I've gained a lot of respect for him over the last month on the way he's handled this with a respected veteran. I use that term loosely now, but I just don't see how you cannot defend him in this situation. And I would love to have a conversation with a diehard Harvick fan that doesn't think he's done anything wrong here because I don't think we'd be seeing eye to eye very well. So the big question of the week is, is this over? Um, I think there's two ways to look at it. Should this be over? Yes. We're dealing with Kevin Harvick. This probably isn't over. Uh, Kevin Harvick's never been eliminated this early in the playoffs. That means he won't be a topic. He won't be a story for the next four weeks, and he's not used to that. And I just don't think he's going to handle that very well. I think he's going to want to still be a story, and that's going to be bad for Chase Elliott. Will Harvick go out there and take Chase out again? Who knows? But I don't think he's just going to be letting him by and letting the playoff guys race themselves. I definitely think he's upset that Chase is still advanced and he didn't. And it's going to come into play at some point in the next three weeks, especially Martinsville. So while we're on this topic, I'll go over this week's Twitter poll that I threw out there on who should be getting the penalty report this week, who should be getting called to the NASCAR hauler. And the two options I had for you guys this week was, number one, Kevin Harvick. No explanation necessary. And number two, NASCAR. And this one won in a landslide, and I'm glad it did because if it didn't, I was going to take over and make it win myself, NASCAR, for not black flagging Chase Elliott for his bumper cover dangling off for multiple laps is this week's penalty report. NASCAR, go to your own hauler. This was absolutely inexcusable. It's just unbelievable that they just let this nine car ride around out there with a huge piece of debris, just flap it in the wind. Everybody knew it was going to fall off. I'm watching it during commercial, seeing it come attached and hanging out by a thread. And I tell my girlfriend, well, he's obviously got the black flag by this point. And they come back from break and he's still not got the black flag. And at this point, I'm just like, did TV miss the call? Did they not get notified that Chase was black flagged? Nope. I don't even know why I was surprised. How can NASCAR expect credibility and to be treated like they treat everybody the same when they, like, this is the one car on the track that everybody's going to accuse you for favoriting, and you're favoriting him as clear as day. Like, any other car on the track that has a huge bumper dangling off that's about to affect the race, you would have parked on pit lane until it's removed instantly. And this nine car, you're just letting him chill out there with it dangling. Just, oh, well, it'll eventually fall off. And then we'll get a caution and a late race restart that we need to make things more interesting. And then Chase will be helped by his own debris. And it's just like, hello, this is the fuel the conspiracy theorists have wanted and have been asking for that always say that Chase is favorited. And you're just handing it to him. Like I swear, NASCAR can't go a month without having something stupid like this pop up where they just, they totally blow a call or they, they have a no call where it should be a call 
or they just you see something happening that any new fan even can say uh isn't that a black flag or isn't that a problem that should be a caution or and nascar's just over there with their head in the clouds they're just totally ignoring it and it's just taking away any credibility this sport has and it's just every time we have a few good weeks with no issues it's like all right we're we're heading in the right direction and then they just totally bury themselves again and it's just so frustrating so this whole race would have been completely different if they just black flagged the nine car. Once the bumper cover came loose, he would have been a lap down. There wouldn't have been a caution. Harvick would have never taken the turn one wall down. But NASCAR would have been without their highlight reel of Chase's revenge or anything like that. So here we go. We need to wait until it brings out a caution. So who knows who would have ended up winning the race. It's so many things changed because they waited until a caution was warranted. So anyway, let's move on to the points. Um, eliminated this week were the same four that were going into the race already out. So my prediction last week was spot on. Hell yeah. Uh, Harvick out. Bell out. Byron put up a hell of a fight, but he was not able to get the win. So he's out. And Bowman, just a very, very inconsistent season ends in round two. This week, we start the round of eight. Three races to decide who gets to the final four at Phoenix. And right now, the current bottom four are Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, and Brad Keselowski. I got to say, this final eight playoff field is stacked. Uh, I mean, like, I know Brad Keselowski hasn't had a great season, and I'm still shocked that he's even in this final eight. But when you look at this, we got two Hendrick cars, three Penske cars, and three Gibbs cars. This is going to be a hell of a dogfight over the next three weeks. So to just have a little bit of fun here, going into this round, I'm going to make my final four prediction. I don't know what order they're going to come in at Phoenix, but the final four I have going to Phoenix, I got Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., and Kyle Busch. I think it's going to be all the talk all year about Hendrick, but it's only going to be one of them getting to Phoenix, and it's going to be Kyle Larson, the favorite, versus three Gibbs cars. That's my prediction I got to say, I am impressed that all three Penske cars are still in it, and they could make it to Phoenix, but I just don't think they're going to beat the Gibbs cars. So as we head to Texas this week, it was Kyle Busch that ended his 2020 winless streak last year in this race, and it was Kyle Larson, no surprise, that won the All-Star race earlier in the year at Texas. And if you look at the results from that race, three of the top five in the All-Star race at Texas were the three Penske cars, so... As much as I just said about the other teams, keep an eye on Penske this weekend because we could be seeing that the first car locked in the Phoenix is a Penske car. So that would be a story in and of itself. Although I really think it's going to be tough to hold back Hendrick this week. The next two races are the 550 package, and that's where Hendrick really shines this season. But it's desperation time. It's the final round before Phoenix. A win gets you in. And I would just say the old cliche, expect the unexpected the next three races for sure. Before I close out this week's episode, I'm going to go over the Xfinity race at the Roval real quick. AJ Allmendinger got his third straight win at this track. The eliminated drivers were Jeb Burton, Myatt Snyder, Riley Herbst, and Jeremy Clements, which were also the same four that were out going into the race. Not in any specific order, but... Considering they're going into their final round before Phoenix, my prediction for the final four are the same four that are currently in right now on points. A.J. Allmendinger, Austin Sindrick, Justin Allgaier, and Noah Gregson. The one guy I would keep an eye on is Daniel Hemrick. He could squeeze into the final four, but I doubt it's going to be with a win. 
uh, just because he just can't seem to get one. And I don't think he's going to be as consistent as the other fours. So that's what I think is going to happen in the Xfinity Series. So I appreciate you guys tuning in. I'm glad you guys give me somewhere I can vent. Every day after a race, I sit at work just waiting to get out because I'm boiling over. And I just want to just scream and want to get my opinions out there on the day before his race. So I'm glad you guys listen. And I'm super grateful for how supportive you've all been with my new podcast. I'm going to go join a few Chase Elliott fan club groups on Facebook. And I'll see you guys next week on Actions Detrimental.